be tuning in your books to the book of James, chapter 1, and uh, we'll start there in uh, just a few moments. Good to see everybody. It is really nice to have the uh, Glendale and San Gabriel English speaking uh, sectors together. I, uh, so many of us have relationships going back over many, many years, and uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, we don't see each other quite as often because uh, we meet in different places, but it is always great to see each other and to be with each other, and I know uh, probably the uh, the teenagers love seeing their buddies from uh, the other uh, sector that aren't uh, normally with each other, uh, so that's, uh, that's good as well. We are continuing today the uh, series of sermons that uh, Raphael came up with, all in the book of Proverbs. And so we're going to be in the book of Proverbs a lot today. We're actually starting in James, but uh, we're going to get to the book of Proverbs. And today's topic is words. Words. And uh, the title that I've assigned this lesson uh, is a question for you. Are your words destructive or productive? And the truth of the matter is they can be either one and at different times in all of our lives, they probably are either one. There are times in my life where I'll say something and I'm like, ugh, that didn't sound very good. And of course, I speak for a living. And so I have a greater opportunity uh, to say things maybe that uh, don't sound good from time to time. But uh, you've said things like that where you, you, it just gets out of your mouth and you wish you could just sort of stuff it back in, right? You're like, ugh, wish I hadn't said that. Sometimes we do say things that aren't productive. They aren't, they are part of the uh, a solution. They're part of the problem. But we also have times in our life where we say something we're like, hey, you know, that was pretty good. <laughs> Hit that one out of the park, Marty, come on. Uh, and you know, and, and we realize that we did say something that was helpful in somebody's life. But the use of our words is an interesting thing for us uh, to study and to look at in the Word of God. We all speak a lot of words. There was a study done in 1993, now that was quite a few years ago, but it was a study in 1993 that came up with this answer. Is that on a daily basis, women speak 20,000 words, and that men speak 7,000. <laughs> As you might imagine, 50% of the population did not uh, appreciate that study. So another study was done in 2007 that said that women speak 16,215 words and men speak 15,669 words. And so the women, even in the second study, still had a little bit of an edge over men, but Basically, the second study said men and women speak about the same amount of words uh, during a day. And there's been other studies that have shown, really, it's not a matter of whether you're a man or a woman. It depends upon the circumstances of your life, the job you have, uh, the things that you're involved with have a, a, a great impact on whether you're speaking a lot or whether you may not be speaking very much. And so we can take all the gender judgment out of it. We all use our words. And therefore we have to have some level of, of, uh, of thinking and studying sometimes in the Word of God about words. Are you in James 1? Yeah. Okay, James 1, let's begin in verse 19. 
My dear children, now remember James is a what's called a general epistle. This isn't written to a church, it isn't written to an individual. This is a general epistle. This is for everybody. And James is, uh, is sometimes sort of nicknamed the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's, it's, he, he hits things uh, quickly and he hits things hard. He's, he's very direct in his writing style. He says, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So his thing about speaking here is you need to be a little quicker to do what? Actually quicker to listen and a little bit slower to speak. Come on down to verse 26. Continuing on this same theme, he says, If anyone considers himself religious, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself... And his religion is worthless. So this seems to indicate pretty strongly that if you don't have some level of reigning in what you might say, your religion is not what it needs to be. And you're probably going to get in a lot of trouble in life. There are many times in my life, and I'm sure in your life, where you think something in the dialogue of your mind, and you know I better not say that. Because if you say it, you know it's going to have bad consequences, right? Whatever those consequences may be. Look over to chapter 3. Just to give you a little bit of an interest in in James, most of the things that James says in chapter 1, he elaborates on later on in the book. And so he he says things and he comes back to them. In James 3, verse 1, he says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that those who teach will be judged more strictly. Now how do you teach? With words. And that's what he's talking about. He says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault, then what he said, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. But it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. See what I mean about James? He'd be a little direct. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of of the sea have been tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grape tree bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So all these things that he says here are all along the idea of let's think for a minute about the words that we say. Let's think for a minute before it comes rolling out of our mouth. Let's think, is this productive or is it constructive? 
Is it going to help or is it going to harm? You see, our, 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 our words, we can say things that can be magnificent in their ability to heal those around us. Or we can say things that can cut people. And all of us in this room remember some things that people have said to us. Our parents, a coach, a teacher, somebody in your life. They said something to you and you remember it as if it were last week. And it may have been years ago in your life. It may have been something that someone said that just encouraged you and built you up. On the other hand, it could be something that really hurts you. And you still have that sort of rolling around in your mind. You have the capacity, I have the capacity, to be an enormous part of the solution to other people around us and how they feel about themselves. Or we have the possibility of really hurting people. Parents, we as parents can say things to our children that will hurt them. Or we can say things to our kids that make them want to come home. Can't wait to talk to dad. Because when I talk to dad, he makes me feel good about myself. Can't wait to talk to mom. Because when I talk to mom, man, it's just awesome. Mom is so loving. She's so nice. It it just seems like when I mess up, mom seems to, doesn't even notice. She's so nice in what she says to me. You have that capacity of positive and negative in your life. All of us do. None of you are always nice. The sweetest person in this room is not always nice. And the meanest person in this room didn't always mean. At least I hope not. So we've got to think about our words. Our words can build up or tear down. They can protect or attack. They can express love or hate. They can express acceptance or rejection. They can be part of the solution, part of the problem. Now, before we get into I've got two points here that, that hopefully will be uh, very practical for all of you. But I've got to hit something here about what the proverb says about, about words that is, is very interesting. Actually, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes first. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes is right after Proverbs. So, for those of you that have been going to Proverbs, Ecclesiastes is right in the same neighborhood. And Ecclesiastes 3 is a great passage. There's a time for everything. A lot of us have heard this passage before, uh, you know, maybe at funeral or whatever. It says there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. And he he goes through all these things. And he comes on down and look at at verse 7. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent. And a time to speak. You see, sometimes it's not just the words, it's no words. There's a time when you shouldn't talk. And for some people, that is almost an impossibility. Because they feel like they have to always be talking. We're going to look at a number of scriptures here about this. 
you're going to be, I think, entertained and convicted. Look over to Proverbs chapter 17. This idea of not talking. Proverbs 17, verse 27. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint. And a man of understanding is even-tempered. Even a fool is thought-wise if he keeps silent. And discerning if he holds his tongue. (laughs) You see, sometimes we would actually come across as smarter people. If we didn't talk. Someone may have a high opinion of you until you start talking. (laughs) And their their evaluation of you is going lower and lower the longer you're talking. Isn't that interesting? Chapter 10, verse 19. If I don't say a, a book, it's Proverbs. 10, 19. When words are many... Sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. When words are many, sin is not absent. So if there's a lot of talking going on, he says there may be some sinful things going on. What what, what could be going on if there's a lot of talking going on? What kind of sinful activity? Huh? Lying? Is that what you said? Lying? Yeah. Gossip? Arrogance could be underlying the arrogant talk or prideful talk? Arguing? So there's a number of things, but when sin, it says when words are many, sin is not absent. Look at chapter 11, verse 12. 11, verse 12. A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, and a man of understanding holds his tongue. And then, interestingly enough, verse 13, in continuation of the same, same thought of, of the words, it says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Chapter 20, verse 19. A gossip betrays a confidence. So, avoid a man who talks too much. <laughs> you know, one thing I learned years and years ago, actually out, not necessarily in the context of studying the Bible or, or being a child of God, is that if, if somebody is talking to me about somebody that's not here in our conversation, it is almost absolutely going to be true that when they're talking to somebody else and I'm not there, they're talking about me. You understand what I'm saying? And, and that, that's gossip, of course. And that's why he says, you know, hey, you need to be a little, little, little uh, you know, aware of that, that kind of a thing. Now, all those passages are along the line of that, uh, of it's, it's, it's a time. There's a time to speak, but there's a time also to be quiet. I want you to file that one away, okay? Just file that away in your mind. That there's a time that if I'm going to be successful, I don't need to be talking right now. I need to keep my mouth shut. I need to be 
there but not be talking. There's a time when that's appropriate in our life. That you're going to have to plug that in to when you sense and when you know uh, that that should be happening in your life. But think of the things that the proverb writer here has said. Man, people may actually have a high opinion of you. But if you keep talking all the time, their opinion is going to go down. Because the longer you talk, the more you expose what you may not know uh, or what you do know about something in your life. I want to look at one other thing, then I'm going to get to my two points. Look back to the New Testament real quick, to Matthew 12. Got to look into what Jesus says about words, uh, and then we'll get down to some of the uh, things here that I want to talk as far as uh, two practical things for us. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33. Jesus talks here about words. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. By the way, Jesus himself could be pretty blunt from time to time, right? You bunch of snakes, he's what he's saying. Uh, he says, you brood of vipers, how can you or evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, sometimes when we say something, and we almost immediately realize they shouldn't say that, we say, oh, no, 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 that's not what I really think. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. We want to give ourselves a pass. We want to say, no, that ain't what I re- that's not who I really am. I know all I have said sounds terrible. Jesus said, no, 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 it, it, that, that's who you are. It's in your heart, and it came right out of your mouth. He says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man uh, up, uh, uh, brings up evil out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Wow! Man, that just sucks the air out of the room. Whoa! Because all of us know, me included, that I have said some things that I wish I hadn't said. And you have too. You know, th- th- this fits in the category of we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Yeah, someone said the other day, you know, well, preachers point their finger a lot. Yeah, well, when I point a finger at you, it's one finger. But there's three pointed at me, okay? So, you know, I'm as guilty as you are. Maybe more guilty than you are. Okay? But this is important stuff. Our words, you, you, you can't just say, well, it's no big deal. No, it's a really, really big deal in your life. It's a really big deal about your judgment. And how your judgment may go or how it may not go. Okay, here's the two things that that I really want to sort of zero in on here as far as uh, points. Point number one is, you can do better than this. And and what we're going to talk about here is some things that are are sinful things in, in our usage of words. And you can do better than this. Many times in my life, I'll be doing something or I'll be involved in something and I'm not doing very good at it at that moment. And what I say to, to me, you know, the inner dialogue of how you sort of talk to yourself or coach yourself is, okay, Marty, come on, you can do better than this. That, 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 that's the idea. Maybe some of you say that to yourself too. 
that, uh, you know, hey, you know, you, you can do better than this. We can do better than this as, as it pertains to our words. First thing, go back to Proverbs again, chapter 16, verse 28. The first thing is gossip. Proverbs 16, 28. By the way, what, what's gossip? Let's try to put a definition on gossip. What's gossip? Talking behind someone's back. Spreading a rumor about somebody. Probably not a, a, a rumor that makes them look good, but a rumor that makes them look bad. So talking behind someone's back, spreading a rumor. Is it possible uh, in your life to never talk about other people? No. Talking about other people is part of the human existence that we're all in. We have to somehow be able to talk about people, but not in a way to run down their, their uh, reputation. Or that our conversation about them is, is making them look bad, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, there's times in all of our lives where we have to talk about other people, but we have to ask ourselves, why am I talking about this person? And uh, would I feel comfortable about them being in this conversation right now? It's sometimes an interesting way to sort of get, gauge that. If you're saying something about somebody and they're not there and you think, well, if they were here, how would they feel about that? And, and you know that they wouldn't like it. They wouldn't like what you're saying or that conversation. Then probably it's gone from an innocence... Uh, and to something that shouldn't be going on. Are you in uh, chapter 16? Yes. Chapter 16, verse 28. It says, A perverse man stirs up dissension, and gossip separates close friends. 17.9, just right across the column there in my Bible, says, He who covers over an offense promotes love, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. We can actually hurt relationships by things that we say. We can hurt people by talking about them and not to them. And many, many times in life, guys, you've got you've got to sort of you're, you're going to be the only person that's going to be the, the 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 person that can catch it. You've got to catch yourself. You've got to say, "I'm going somewhere I shouldn't go." No, no, no. You've got to pull it back. You got to say, "This conversation's got to curve. It's got to go somewhere else. I, I I don't need to be having this talk." Unless, of course, you want to go talk to the person that you're talking about. If you want to go talk to them and not talk about them, then that's a whole other matter, isn't it? But guys, you can do better than gossip. I can do better than gossip. And we live in a time where there's a lot of gossip. Not that there ever hasn't been a time. This was written many, many years ago. Thousands of years ago. And he's talking about gossip. They gossiped before they had cell phones. Unbelievable. How'd they do that? By the way, just let me say, when we're talking about words here, it's words that you speak and words that you type. You know, there, there was a time in life where most people didn't know how to type. Secretaries knew how to type. Because they had to... 
pipe. I remember my, my sophomore year in high school, I took typing class. And, and uh, I, I'm telling you, I, I was, I, at that time in my life, I was very involved in athletic things. Uh, I remember the fall of the year is the first few weeks, and we're going through two days before school started, and, 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 and I'm in football practice, and I'm telling you, we, we, we're a pretty good football team at that high school, and I'm telling you, man, I could bring it. I could hit people, and I felt like I, I was getting hit harder in typing class. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, to get my finger to move over there and to teach all the teasing. Now everybody types, right? Everybody, now, I, we don't call it typing, though. Uh, you know, I, I don't guess. Do we, do we call it typing, Chris? We, we really don't call it typing. But it is typing. It's the same kind of thing, uh, that kind of thing. But when we're talking about words, it, it, words are spoken and words are written. And, and you know, honestly, although I don't live much in this world, uh, but I'm, I'm not on Facebook, I don't do Facebook, but people can write some pretty bad stuff from what I hear. You know, just because it's writing with your fingers is the same kind of thing. It, it's it's those, those kind of words. But this gossip and talking about people instead of talking to people is not a good thing. Uh, chapter 26, verse 20. 26.20 Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. As charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarreling man to, uh, for kindling strife. The words of gossip are like choice morsels. Oh, tell me more, tell me more. They go down to a man's inmost parts. And so, you can do better than this. Let's don't be the gossip people, okay? You know, we need to be known for something in this church. Let's all be known for that. Let's have our reputation be something. You don't want to be, you know, you, you, do you really want to be the girl at school that's the gossip girl? Is that really the reputation you want to have? Don't tell her anything because you tell her anything. She'll tell everybody. You really want to be the guy that nobody can tell anything to? No one wants to be that person. I can do better than that. You can do better than that. Okay, so don't gossip. And, and uh, the other thing here, I'm going to say three words. Harsh, angry, or rude. Chapter 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. There's an old, old church song. None of you want to hear it. It was uh, the song that was sung at my grandfather's funeral. Uh, I wasn't even born and my mother was 13 years old when he died. Died of a spider bite. He was cleaning out the barn and got bit by a spider and died. How do you like that? But he was a, uh, he was a, 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 I know you can't believe this, you know me very well. He was a song leader. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he chuckling down there. Uh, but uh, I, I can't sing very well, but he did. And uh, when he died, uh, his favorite song was Angry Words. And it's an old song. But basically it says, you know, things like the, the, the brightest links of life are broken by a single angry word. Guys, don't, don't, don't go there. You're better than that. If you're angry, shut up. Don't, don't, don't say harsh things to people. Don't be rude to people. You, you can be nice for the same price 
as, as you being ugly. Just because someone works in a grocery store doesn't mean you need to snap at them. They're not stupid. They're just trying to do their job. You, you, I mean, really, you can do better. I can do better than that. Just because someone cut you off and on the interstate or on the road doesn't mean that you need to be cussing them out. You need, you need to catch yourself before you go too far down that road. So you're better than gossip. You're better than harshness and lying, uh, being angry and rude. And, and, and you're better than lying. Look over to chapter 6, verse 16. 6.16 There are six things the Lord hates. <laughs> okay? Seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes and a lying tongue. Man, right off the bat. What God does not appreciate that people can get into is arrogant, haughty eyes and a lying tongue. You do not want to. I don't want to. You know, there are times in all of our lives that we don't tell the truth. But do you really want to be known as the liar? Yeah, tell the truth even when it hurts. Even when it isn't complimentary to you, you've got to tell the truth. God doesn't appreciate that, and you're better than that. Okay? So point number one is you're better than that. You're better than gossip and, and angry, harsh, uh, rude words and lying and arguing. He talks about that there uh, too. Comes on down in verse 19. Uh, uh, he says, uh, uh, a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. You're better than that. Okay, now, point number two, you need to be a master of this. You want a master's, don't you? They're, they don't only do it. They're like Cato doing that, that weightlifting thing. Holy, man, was that impressive? I know that guy. <laughs> you know, we, we see things like that. We're like, I know that guy. I know that guy. He, I'm not as strong as he is, but I know him. Uh, and he's really strong. You need to be a master at pleasant words. Chapter 16, verse 21. 16, 21. The wise in heart are called discerning, and pleasant words promote instruction. Be a master at pleasant words. It goes on and says, understanding is a fountain of, the, uh, fountain of life for those who have, who have it, and folly uh, brings uh, punishment to fools. A wise man's heart guides his mouth. Huh. A wise man's heart guides his mouth. And his lips promote instruction. Pleasant words are a honeycomb. In other words, they're sweet. Be a master. A master of encouragement. Pleasant words. Saying things that, that are complimentary to people. That are encouraging to people. You know, we're talking about one of the, one of the main reasons we, we come to church is to encourage one another. Now, we're encouraged by each other's presence, to be sure. But it's, 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 it's more, it's way more than just being there if you actually say pleasant words. Encouraging words. Some of you look at me like I'm crazy. People like to be complimented. 
Bro, you're looking good. You working out? Even if they're not working out. They're like, hey, I'm feeling good. Pleasant words. Sister, you're looking good. Good to see you. You need to be careful about how complimentary you are that way. <laughs> that, that, that can get you in trouble, but uh, you know. A uh, little distance is not bad there, but uh, you know. But to compliment people, to, to, to notice positive or good things about them. Bro, you know, I appreciate uh, what, what you do. I, I appreciate, uh, you know, the, the effort that you made. And, and, and just to notice, to be aware of what's going on around you. Pleasant words. You know, some of you, I know what you're thinking out there. You're like, well, that's just not me. Well, that's why I'm preaching right now. <laughs> we all know that's not you. <laughs> but, but we're desperately hoping that it could become you. In just a little bit, you know. We're not looking for, you know, we're not winning the national championship. Let's win a game, okay? I mean, be nice. On purpose. May feel a little awkward the first time. You think, well, I don't feel comfortable doing that. But everybody else is way more comfortable uh, because you're that way. Instead of, you know, you know, being the other way, if you know what I'm saying. So, become a master at, at pleasant words. Become a master at wise, appropriate words. Chapter 25, verse 11. You guys out there? Come on, 2511. A word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. He's describing jewelry. An apt word, a wise word, an appropriate word. This makes people feel like you gave them a gift of jewelry. Now, for some people, jewelry is not a big deal. For some people, jewelry is a big deal. Me, myself, not so much. I'm not a big jewelry guy. Some, some guys, some girls are. They like jewelry. But I understand what this is saying. It's like someone gave you a gift. A gift that you really want. And, and how does it make you feel when people give you a gift that you really want? You're like, oh, this is awesome. I am so excited. That's what it's like when you say things to people that are helpful for them in their life. Wise, aptly, apt words or appropriate words in their life. Chapter 18, verse 13. You need to be a master of this as it pertains to speaking. 18.13. And that is being a good listener. He who answers before, before, uh, or he who answers before listening... That is his folly and his shame. An expert listener. People like to be listened to. I don't know hardly anybody that appreciates it when they're talking to somebody and the person is clearly not listening to them or they're distracted in, in, in some way or another. Can you picture that time in your life when you're trying to talk to someone and they're not paying attention? How does that make you feel? It's like, hey, I'm over here. 
you need to learn to put your phone down. Set it down. Turn it off. People say, oh, you mean you can... Yeah, you can. You can. It's not that... Almost everything you've ever gotten on your phone didn't need to be dealt with then. It could have waited a minute. It could have waited five minutes. It could have waited a week. It may could have waited a lifetime. I don't know. But guys... When, when, when you're, you're trying to be a child of God, you're trying to let your light shine, you're trying to help people around you, and you have got that phone 18 inches away from your head all the time, how in the world is anybody going to think that you're thinking about them? You are so into you. You've got to be a good listener. If you're going to be able to communicate with people, if they're going to listen to your words, they've got to believe that you care about them. Eye contact. Eye to eye. Looking at somebody. Eye to eye. You're not trying to stare them down. You're not trying to intimidate them. You're not trying to growl at them or, or hover over them or something like that. I'm just saying that you're focused in on them and what's going on in, w- w- with them and what they're saying to you and how you should appropriately be reacting to whatever they're saying. Being a good listener. You know what? For many of us in, in the professional world, we're frustrated. Why am I not getting further along in my career? Maybe it's something as simple as this. Is that when your boss talks to you, he doesn't get the feeling that you're listening. Or she doesn't get the feeling that you're listening. Because you're distracted by everything that's going on around you. And everything that someone may be saying to you. These are things about life. Why You say, my children don't listen to me. Well, do you listen to them? When they talk to you, do you focus in on them? Does the phone ever ring in your life where it's not important that you answer the phone? It's important that you focus on who you're talking to right now. That can wait. It communicates to people that you're of value. You're important. I like you. I'm enjoying our time together. And I'm not going to let that discourage me. You send the message that everybody's more important than you when you don't Listen, and you don't focus on people. Be a master listener. In the fellowship, when you're talking to people, have, just have it in your mind. I'm going to be focused. And I have to tell you, sometimes that's hard. Because there's all kinds of things going on around us all the time. But being that good listener is a really important part of having a relationship where people feel like they're being uh, heard by you. Look over to chapter 12, verse 18. Last thing. 12, 18. Be a master listener. Be a master this last time healer. Chapter 12 and verse 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Be a master of saying the right thing, being a master of bringing healing. People in the world are hurting. 
They're hurting about all kinds of things that are going on in their life. You say, well, I've got all kinds of things going on in my life too. Well, that may be true. But if you want to be a person that can really say things to help people, to lead them to Christ perhaps, or to lead even other Christians to a better place in their spiritual life, you've got to be able to say things that will heal and say things that will help. I said this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the home and family relationships. Your home should be a place where the conversations that go on in your home are conversations that heal. You need to be saying things to your children that are helpful and healing to children. You need to say things to your husband, say things to your wife that are healing. It's a tough world out there. It's a bruising battle in life. And sometimes when you finally get home, it's like you want to finally be at a place that's different than what it was outside. And so you go in the home. And the home should be a place where the conversations are healing, where the things that are said are positive, and the things that go on there are building up confidence. You know, there's enough things in all of our lives that pound down our confidence. The home where you live, inside those sacred walls of your home. That's where the, there needs to be communication, words that heal, words that help, words that build up, words that empower. Everybody else may be telling them they couldn't do anything, but you need to be telling them that they can do it. The message they may get outside of the house is that you're not very pretty, or you're not very athletic, or you're not very smart. What they need to get on the inside of those four walls is that you're not only pretty, you're beautiful. You're not only handsome, you're the most handsome kid I got. And if you got two, say, you know, know, I'll work that out later. I'm talking to you right now. But the things you communicate to each other, Mom, that was a great meal. It may not have been the best meal you ever had. You, You don't need to go into a long discussion of the best meals you've ever had. Mom, that was a good meal. Thank you for making dinner. I appreciated that. You know, Chris, last night asked me about a dish she made and I said, well, uh, it was supposed to be a vegetarian lasagna. And I said, well, this isn't very much like vegetarian lasagna, but it's a really good dish. <laughs> and we talked about all the positive things of it and everything. And she explained why, why she made it the way it did because it was supposed to be a breakfast uh, 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 lasagna made for the uh, bridal shower that they had over at the house the other day. And it was, it was really tasty. But I knew I was walking on thin ice right there. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you, I was scrambling because I knew, man, just, I, I got one word here and I'm done. I, you know, it's like yeah, I got one more step to go that direction, and I'm going in the ice, and, and it ain't going to be good. So I got to be. It's really good, whatever it is. It's the best you've ever made, or whatever it is. And you know what I'm saying? But but you you you've got to consciously do that. And I I I challenge you guys as parents, no matter how old your kids are, if they're just little 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 dudes. 
or whether they're grown kids. My kids are grown and way gone. But when I talk to my kids on the phone, man, I'm telling them, you're, you're good. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you're doing. I'm proud of what... Now, is everything going in their life exactly the way I want it to go? No! But I don't need to go into everything I think about everything. Sometimes you just focus it on, you know, son, I'm really proud of you. You're doing a great job. And leave, and then shut up. <laughs> leave that as the closing thought. Son, I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job. Amen. Good, good, good to talk to you. Hang up the phone, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can do better than these things, guys. And I know I'm speaking to a lot of you. I'm speaking to me. You can do better than gossip, harsh, angry, and rude words, lying, and arguing. And become a master. This is I need to become really good at pleasant words. I need to become really good at wise, appropriate words. I need to become really good at listening. And then I'll know what to say. And I need to make sure in my life that the things that come out of my life are healing. They're part of the solution and not part of the problem. I hope our study on words today has been helpful for you. Uh, remember, next week we have a real treat with the three brothers going to be speaking over in Glendale. I know they're going to do a blowout job. I can't wait for that already. But uh, just don't rush on out. Let's enjoy a, a great time. And it is air-conditioned in here anyway. And let's enjoy a great time of fellowship and great words with each other. You're dismissed.